Welcome, 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 and welcome back. It's your girl Lee here, and you are listening to Black Girls Love Movies. Listen, y'all, um, I don't even know where to start. You know what we're talking about today because last night was the season finale of House of the Dragon. Um, so today we are going to do a full spoiler. It's mostly going to be about the final episode. I, I think I want to do a season review, like maybe, I'll maybe do one later this week. I'll, I'll actually sit down and rewatch all the episodes in order and then like do a full season review. But I just want to say that if you haven't been watching House of the Dragon, I don't know what the hell you're doing because you need to be watching. Okay. It's on HBO. Steal somebody's password. Ask your best friend for their password. Hell, just download it legally. Shit, this episode leaked three days ago, apparently. Can y'all believe that? This episode leaked three days early. Oh, I'm so disappointed. But I was a good fan. And I actually waited um, because I really wanted to watch... And I was really excited after having such an incredible homecoming. I was like, this is just the cherry on my Sunday. So before we kind of get deep into the episode, just overall thoughts. Um, so because I read the book, this is a little bit past where where I am in the book right now. So I do I do remember this scene very specifically. And, and we'll get into it as far as like what happens at the Battle of Storms in. But because I read the book and knowing how the Battle of Storm's End was going to go, I was a little bit nervous, um, thinking like maybe I maybe I kind of ruined it for myself. But to be quite honest, I was so invested. I was so like, oh, my God, like, what the fuck? It, it Like this episode reminds me my favorite like season finale episode or I think this is the second to last. But it's when Cersei blows up the sept. And she basically completely gets rid of House Tyrell in the episode. This episode gave me those kind of vibes. There wasn't too much action. And to be honest, the only action kind of came towards the end. But everything between the conversations that certain characters were having, specifically like Damon and Rhaenyra having their conversations together, even Rhaenyra like trying to talk to her son Luke and trying to instill this confidence in him to, you know, unfortunately, a, a, a no end. Um, I can definitely say that the war has now officially begun um, because of what happens at the Battle of Storms End. And you know what? Damn it. I want season two like yesterday. Like it's it's kind of disappointing to know that they didn't green they didn't greenlit season two right away or maybe maybe they had it in the bag but they didn't like announce it to the audience because I think they were genuinely concerned if the show was going to perform you know what I mean like Game of Thrones regardless of how you feel about that last season Game of Thrones is incredibly successful so they I feel like they thought well let's just let's not put all our eggs in one basket you know we we made the show we did the nine episodes we'll put it out we'll see how it does um and to be honest y'all this is incredible like I feel like they have really just made the house of Tar the house Targaryen so much more powerful it's like if if you loved Daenerys like you're definitely gonna love this family and like just the drama that comes about um lots of parallels in this episode with Damon and Otto on the bridge because it reminds us of episode um two 
And then even with Rhaenyra facing the camera at the very end of episode one, when Viserys names her heir, and then at the end of this episode, she's doing the same thing, but she's she has lost so much up until this point. Like, it's only so much a woman can take. That's why she looked like that. Overall, this is top tier Game of Thrones. This is probably the best season finale. And I love that it was a nice, long episode. I think the biggest criticism a lot of people would have with previous um, seasons or, like, season finale, the episode would be too short. You know what I mean? Like, which is disappointing to a fan because you know you're so invested you know you got a lot of ground to cover you got to put a cherry on this Sunday of a show if you want to have a successful season finale so I feel like they did such a good job they put everything in here as far as answering all of our questions if we had any questions up until this point for season one and then setting us up because now I, I'm I'm telling y'all like I am itching to figure out what is going to happen in season two so we opened the episode a little bit differently this it was a very quiet open but ironically enough it made sense that they opened it with luke because luke is sitting at the table um and i'll get into the table in the moment when when we talk about the black council but he's he's staring at the um the large like the map table and he's kind of running his hands over driftmark and luke is very much not a shy boy but you can tell he's very quiet he's not as out and kind of abrasive as his older brother jace i think jace just has a chip on his shoulder to be honest being a bastard and like knowing that everybody talks about them he probably feels like like i have to prove myself all the time but luke is such a sweet like he's such a sweet boy i mean the actor that plays him really does a good job and Luke is basically telling his mom, telling Rhaenyra when she walks in, that, you know, not only does he not want to take Driftmark because being her second son, he would take the property of of his father, which was Lainor. And we know Lainor's still alive. He just out he's just out there somewhere. But he just feels like, you know, he doesn't deserve it. He says, I get green sick, which is their version of being, you know, seasick. And he says, you know, my grandfather, the sea snake Corliss, was the greatest sailor. You know what I mean? He's comparing himself to these other great men and feels like he can't live up to it. And it's a really beautiful moment because she she tries to tell him, like, you don't have to worry, baby. You know, like, you're going to be fine. I'm going to be here to support you. Like, she's really trying to pour into her son and put more confidence into him. <sighs> Only for it to just not go nowhere. But anyway... Once um, this beautiful moment ends, and just like Game of Thrones, as soon as you have a beautiful moment, you got to have a really shitty, heart-wrenching moment. So Rhaenys arrives on um, uh, Dragonback. So remember the last episode, she busted out the floor. Um, she should have killed everybody on that stage. The more, I, the more I think about it and the conversation that Damon has with her, she honestly should have killed them, but I get why she didn't. So Rainey's comes in and, and she gives them the news and it shocks the it just shocks the shit out of Rhaenyra because you can clearly see like she starts off the conversation all nice and bubbly, you know, so lovely to see you, you know, I think she tries to ask about the sea snake and immediately like Rainey's is like, girl, your dad's dead. And oh, by the way, your brother is usurped your throne and now he, they named him king. And the look on Damon's face, Matt Smith, and the look on Emma Darcy's face, Rhaenyra, is priceless. She is so hurt. The hurt on her face, I mean, that is some good-ass acting. And then to me, like, Damon, Matt Smith's character, Damon, he just, 
ooh, you could just tell he was pissed. And he low-key, like, blames Rainey's and basically said, like, you know, like, well, you escaped, so you have the chance. He, he Look, he says, that whore, that whore of a queen and the cunt son or whatever, like, he's just, he going in. And he basically say, like, so you here, so what does that mean? So you had an opportunity to burn them all up, but you didn't? So he he does blame her. But all of this is going on. Him basically fussing with Rainey's and Rainey's trying to explain to them what's going on. And Rhaenyra just she the shock is so bad, it sends her into labor early. And again, this is genuine hurt on her face. It's just oh god, it just breaks my heart. And even Rainey's has to stand up for herself and basically say, first of all, this is not my war. She's not my name Bennett. I ain't in it. I ain't starting shit. No. They, but she does give a warning to Rhaenyra to basically say, "Listen, the Greens are coming for you, baby girl, for you, for your kids, for your dragon, for everything." And Rainey's has a point, you know what I mean? Like at the end of the day, this really isn't her fight. She didn't lost both of her children. She's trying to hold on. She got. She feel like she about to lose her husband too. She didn't lost her brother in law. I mean, she she is like, I am not dealing with this shit no more. This is not my war. And to be honest, I think at that point, she probably would have just been happy going back to Driftmark, taking her two granddaughters and living in fucking peace because she has lost so much. And And now I see, and you would see this as well throughout the episode, why she's so hesitant to, to kind of add her two cents into the the war council why she doesn't really bow to and we'll get into that in a second she doesn't bow when um they crown Rhaenyra but we'll get to that so as I mentioned all this is just such a shock to the system to to Rhaenyra that she's she goes into labor really early and it's a very bad labor it's very hard on her you can very clearly see things are not going well i mean they don't really give us a time frame for how far along she is but she's basically given month like given birth in like five months five five and a half six months and it it really kind of pissed me off when you can kind of hear her in the background screaming and struggling through this through this labor and these labor pains and damon is basically like running a mini council telling you know telling people i need you to do this and send ravis to this and and conscript the the dragon keepers so the people that help them train the dragon dragons can also fight pretty decently well and so he's basically he's just trying to amass men because in damon is at a point where he's like so she killed she killed my brother like she killed my brother and probably has been trying to kill him for a long time you put your disgusting drunk son on the throne who definitely doesn't deserve to rule over a, a class of pigs and He's just overall, he's just mad. You know what I mean? He's just pissed. And I think it's because he he really didn't make up. I mean, he did kind of make up with Viserys. But just knowing, just having a feeling and inkling that Allison had anything to do with his death pisses him off. And you know what? I, I feel you, bro. I, I do. But again, I it really kind of made me upset because he's he's going through all these like machinations, trying to do all this stuff. And you can clearly hear Rhaenyra like screaming in the castle because she is in so much pain. And it just seems like he just doesn't care. He doesn't comfort her at all during this labor. He just continues to plan the war. 
and um, to kind of like show his power because Jace and Luke do kind of come into the meeting and Luke tries to stand up for his mom and say, you know, like you, you just basically to Damon, like you just can't be moving like this when my mom is the real ruler. Like you need to respect that. I'm, I'm standing on this. And Damon is literally, he just ignores him. He carries out his business and he basically walks out and he tells uh, Jace to come with him. And it's kind of like he's saying, come on, son, let me, let me show you how the big dogs do it. Because you come in here like a puppy. So, Damon decides to bring two of the King's Guard or two of the White Cloaks out to basically interrogate them. And he basically said, listen, you're going to swear loyalty to my wife right the fuck now. If you if you want to claim the usurper in this moment, go ahead. That way your death will be painless. It, he basically says, I'll give you a clean death if you decide that you want to support Aegon right now. But he says, but if you turn on us, he says, you will die screaming and I will make it so. So he basically demands that these uh, King's Guard swear loyalty to Rhaenyra and also swear loyalty to Jace. That's the whole reason why he brought Jace, which is why Jace could really only stand there looking stupid like, oh, well, I guess I got to follow my stepdad. You know what I mean? Like he was trying to be big in his britches and he really don't he really don't have no room for that. So we're going back and forth between Damon trying to do like a little bit of mini political planning and then it goes back to Rhaenyra trying to give birth. Now, I don't want to talk too much about the birth because I mean, it's it's very tragic and it is a miscarriage. And if you've ever experienced that kind of loss before, it's incredibly traumatic. It is something that a lot of women have said that they never really get over the loss of a child. And this birth scene is so bad. You know what I mean? Because it's induced by all of this stress. The stress of what she knows or doesn't know is going on in King's Landing. The stress of like, are they coming to get, you know, like, are they coming to get me? Like, did they murder my father? Did he really die of natural causes? Like, all of this is just stress added onto her, which is just making the labor worse. And the labor's really difficult, you know what I mean? And it's really sad because you can see the midwives want to help her so bad. Like, they're telling her, please let us help you. Like, you can't do this on your own. But she is like... <sighs> she's in so much pain trying to pass this baby and in the book they describe the baby or the fetus as having a tail and scales so in the in the show they didn't really do all that it to me it did kind of look like a just a regular human fetus with no type of extra appendages or whatever but again that just goes to show you that the book creates this narrative behind Rhaenyra and behind Alicent that these women are just power hungry bitches and you know what I mean like when that's not the case like Rhaenyra is a living breathing person in the show and she has emotions just like Alicent and they are both very hesitant to go to war I really want to emphasize that because after she gives birth to her to the to her stillborn daughter 
and she takes it upon herself to do like the last rites of her baby and to wrap her baby and stuff like the the sisters the seven the seven sisters are basically just in the back and technically they're the ones that are supposed to be preparing the body and stuff and getting it ready for the funeral but obviously you know she's just at a I think she needs to do this for closure you know what I mean and it probably just takes her back to her mom because that this she she could have easily died from this birth and the fact that she's having to you know burn her baby is I mean that's hard I cannot I that must be hard for her because it, it it just has to remind her of her mother you know um so we transition so she's already she's had the stillborn she's she's trying to do her last funeral rites for the baby they have a a small but a small funeral but it, they needed to have witnesses and such um and these people we can assume are just in their court and they're all wearing different shades of black and red and it's very they're very well dressed again kudos to the costumers and the designers because these people work incredibly hard and I I appreciate it. I know a lot of people don't, but I am one of those fans that like really just appreciate good costuming because it makes the show. It makes the show and it makes the character. So all this is going on and I don't know if y'all remember, but remember the red twin? It's two twins that y'all were introduced to in the last episode, Eric and Arik. One of them is for the greens and the other is for the blacks. So the twin that is for the blacks, remember he stole Jaharis's crown and he brings that crown to this like funeral and it's kind of surreal that as she's as she's going through the process of grieving for this baby, it's like the moment that she's waited for her whole life has to come surrounded by all this death. You know what I mean? And it's really sad. Um and so he presents the 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 black twin um I think the one that comes, this is Eric. Yeah, Sir Eric. So Eric comes and he gives him the crown. He swears fealty to her and everybody bows. Um, there's a really kind of, there's a sweet moment where Damon is holding the crown and the, the camera's like underneath and he's holding the crown, looking at it. And he looks genuinely sad, like, damn, like my brother is really gone. And you know, it's crazy because it, it reminds me of those situations where two siblings all have, excuse me, have like beef when they're older and they never, they never really solve that beef and one of them passes away or something happens to the other. And you can clearly see like he is regretting not supporting his brother, not being a better brother. You know, like you can really see that. And I think that's why he has so much love for Rhaenyra, his brother's daughter. And he is the one that turns around and crowns her. And he's the first person to bow to her and tell her that you're my queen. You know, Rhaenyra, first of her name. So, yeah, that was my favorite moment when he crowned her. Again, another parallel moment because remember in the last episode when um, Viserys is really old and he's coming into that... Um, that meeting or whatever that Otto was trying to hold basically to throw Rhaenyra under the bus, Rhaenyra and her kids under the bus and give Driftmark to Vayman, but that didn't work out. So there's a scene where he's trying to walk up the steps. And I talked about this in the last episode, but what I didn't mention was the crown falling off. That just happened during like one of the felt like one of the courses of them like taking a um doing like a cut of the scene. And the director liked it so much. The um, Patty Considine and Matt Smith really liked that idea of like 
him putting the crown on his brother and that's what they went with so that little kind of miss i wouldn't call it a mistake but that like happy accident of him trying to hobble up the stairs and he leans over and his crown falls off that just kind of developed naturally and it's really interesting that that moment is parallel to not necessarily Rhaenyra hasn't like the crown hasn't fallen off her but it's parallel to the fact that he's that he symbolically crowned his brother and now he's literally crowning his niece you know what I mean his now wife so one thing that I need y'all to pay attention to when this happens is Rhaenys does not bow not one bit she's actually the furthest away from from everyone as far as the funeral being at the very top of this hill and you can kind of see the people the other people that came and then she's all the way at the back with her granddaughters and she does not bow because again at this point she does not want to be caught up in this she don't want to be caught up in this war now after she's crowned the funeral is done we go to what i'm calling the first black council meeting now this is where you know when she first like walks in and does her like queen walk or whatever into the room and they address her this is the first time where she's addressed by her full name so um queen queen Rhaenyra Targaryen first of her name queen of the Andals and and the Roynar you know like they do the whole spiel like the the long full name and you can kind of tell like she like she knows what to do but there is a little bit of awkwardness in it because you know perfect example king charles he said as far as like ascending the throne it was the happiest and the saddest day of his life because the only way that he could get there is if his mother died you know what i mean and i and obviously rainier i feel like feels the same way like i'm i'm in this position i've been trained for this position i've wanted this position from afar for so long but now that i'm here it still feels weird and as the meeting goes on i really want y'all to notice how she is trying to be as conservative and cautious as possible now let's talk about this map table baby y'all this table is so gorgeous i already know that the pinterest and the etsy people right now are trying to make this table because it's so gorgeous y'all so in the books Aegon, uh egg the first egg the conqueror um kind of broke off a slab i think this came from the uh, the volcano um the dragon mount volcano that's on dragonstone but he broke off a slab the slab's like in the book is 50 feet long you know just to give it like size and scale of westeros and obviously they couldn't make a 50 foot table so what they did was they kind of scaled it down they took a a mold of the first map table from um the the map table that stannis was using all the way back in the original series of game of thrones and they just kind of added to it they made it look a lot more nicer to be honest and they made it look they just made it look so beautiful and so realistic so it's the way that the table's made and i only know this because i watched the behind the scenes it's like a plaster like a clear resin plaster that they molded and they painted with with all these different shades of black and gray and brown ironically enough and the orangey golden silver that's kind of in in the crevices and stuff that paint had to be specially mixed and developed they had like they think the lady said they had like four or five other paints that they were trying to use to mix to kind of get this color right because 
the lady who was doing most of the um, curating for this table, she at first wanted she wanted a lot of real fire under the table to kind of give it that glow. But it's actually a mix of the candles and actually specialized L um, LED lights that have been inserted into this table to kind of give it the effect when you get that aerial view from the top of the table uh, and you see like the lights or what's supposed to be like the flames from the candles but you see that kind of spreading out that is the led lights so this map table just deserves so much kudos it's it's incredibly beautiful and I felt like the glow was almost like somebody was breathing fire into it. You know what I mean? Like it goes with the whole fire and blood being dragons. You know what I mean? So it felt like someone was just breathing life into the table. And it's it's really beautiful. Now, during this meeting, like I said, it's really obvious that Rhaenyra is not trying to just go into all-out war. She's trying to be conservative. She's trying to get an understanding of, you know, her numbers, her men, her bannermen. You know, who's going to be on my side? Who's not on my side? Who who can I immediately just turn to my side? Who's never who's going to be a harder sell to to win over to um the Black Council? And during this whole time, Damon was pissing me off because I felt like he was really trying to undermine her during this meeting. He was just acting like he was just running shit at this meeting. You know, it, it just bothered me. And to me, it's like you can see Rhaenyra is really uncomfortable, not with the power. It's like it's just with the one upping. You know what I mean? Like she'll say something and then he has to say something back. Like it's it's weird. And then I think what really bothered me is she was trying to make a peace offering to Rhaenys about Corlys and the Valerian fleet. You know, if you're going to go to war, obviously you need to have manpower, you need to have sea power, you need to have air power, right? Their air power is dragons, manpower is whatever men they can get, and the sea power is the Valerian fleet. So she tries to make a peace offering to Rain to Rhaenys, Rhaenyra does, and basically says, you know, how is Corlys, is, is he on his way basically to Dragonstone? And he is. Um, but Rainey's is really cautious. Like, listen, I can't just tell, like, it's not my fleet. It's my husband's fleet of ships. He, he has to say over that. I don't have no say. And Damon is just so, he's such an ass because when Ray, when Rhaenyra asked Rainey's like, how is the sea snake or whatever? Is he, or is he on his way? And Damon just come out being so rude talking about someone well, he's going to declare for his queen but he's not talking about Rhaenyra he's talking about Rhaenys because with everything going on with people fighting for secession you know Damon probably thinking that Corliss is now thinking well how can I maneuver my wife because she's technically you know being the oldest child of the of King Jaehaerys before Viserys so, yeah, y'all, it just really pissed me off because I was like, why is he doing all this fucking talking in her meeting? Like, bro, are you the king? And honestly, that's how she was looking at him. Like, are you wearing the crown or am I, sir? Like, you doing entirely too much damn talking in my meeting. So, um, one thing that does happen, and I, I like the cut because rewatching the episode, it like, it just... Like, I saw it, but I didn't see it. So, there's a quick scene where a, a squire comes in and the camera, like, stops on him for a second. And then the camera moves to um, uh, Eric, the the black, you know, the, the, the black twin that brought the crown. And he, like, 
walks over to the side where the squire is and that's when they find out that Otto has now come to dragonstone y'all and when i when he walked up and said that they saw a ship with a three-headed green dragon i said oh hell no and then damon he's like he's just ready to pop some he's just so ready to pop some shit off like he it's like he been wanting to do this and for for god knows how long you know what i mean and, and it makes me think the same way Otto and all of them was planning behind allison back it kind of makes me think i wonder has damon been doing i mean he kind of has been doing this this shit on the low you know like planning behind her back going behind her back so here come Otto walking his stupid ass up to dragonstone and i was thinking to myself do you have a death wish why the hell why the hell did you come up here but I digress. So Otto comes to make peace. And I'm not going to lie. The terms, if, if we wasn't in Game of Thrones, like these terms are good terms. Let's let's not get it confused. He basically says that if if she decides, if Otto presents this to Rhaenyra, Otto says, look, you can have Dragonstone. We will pardon everybody. Um... Jaceris will be basically her her heir. Lucerus will take Driftmark. They'll both marry the, the uh, uh, Damon's twin girls, and da and their children, Rhaenyra's children with Damon, will basically be get high positions in court. You know, so one of them would be a cupbearer, the other one would be a squire, and 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 oh yeah, by the way, anybody that's on your side will get a full pardon these are our terms and i put in my nose these terms are good in the real world but this got baby okay ain't nobody going for that shit and then now see this is where damon this is where damon me and damon was on the same page because he was like bro like first of all what the fuck are you doing here second of all I'm about to chop your fucking head off because you're a traitor. And even like Rhaenyra is having a hard time kind of controlling her anger. Like she walks up to him and whole life snatches his pin off and throws that shit in the ocean. She said, you fucking traitor. And I was like, you go, girl. And I really just wanted Cyrax to burn all of them up on that bridge. I'm talking about the greens because when Rhaenyra arrives, she does like arrive on her dragon back and kind of blocks them off. So they can't really come up to Dragonstone because it's Damon and all of their King's Guard, and they really can't go back because it's a big ass dragon in the way. So I was just thinking, like, damn, just burn them up, just burn them up. And I, <laughs> that's actually not funny because this show has really got us so desensitized to this violence that all we want to do is see the dragons burn people up and see people's head getting split open. That's terrible. But yeah, so they don't accept the terms. Um, and again, Rhaenyra is holding a lot of restraint because Damon is the aggressor. Damon is the one that's like, Sir Arik, bring me Otto Hightower's head. You know what I mean? On a spike. And the thing that really kind of turns it around for Rhaenyra is because they give her the page that she had ripped out at the beginning of episode one. Here again, full circle, baby. So many parallels. So they pull out... And they hand it to her and she's looking at it and you can tell like it it does make her upset because she's lost her friend still losing her friend 
feeling like she can't like connect with this friend and and here it is like Allison is trying to give her an olive branch you know to say like I do still love you and I don't I'm actively working to put you in a in the best position possible I just need you to recognize recognize my son is the true king that's all which you know you can have all the best intentions in the world that don't mean nothing so let's see what are we going to talk about next? Oh, so like I was telling y'all, Damon does not believe in this passive approach. And the response that Rhaenyra gives Otto, instead of burning his ass the hell up, she says, you know, King's Landing will have my answer on the morrow. Basically, I'll let you know tomorrow. I'll, I'll send you a raven. And this pisses Damon off. Like, he does not agree with this passive cautionous approach he you know they're back in the council meeting and he yelling this shit talking about some the war has already started the enemy has already declared war what are you gonna do about it and he said it real loud and real ignorant in front of everybody and here she go trying to be calm like whew, all right clear the room so she can talk to her uncle husband and she's basically like you want to go to war so bad like why and he's trying to make the argument it's not about me wanting to go to war he's it's basically he doesn't want her to seem weak he doesn't want her to have all these rebellions he's trying to stop all the dissonance or all of the separation between the sides he's trying to have a strong stance first and then all this other shit can come next that's how he feels and when he chokes her, it really, I was like, oh my God, is he trying to kill her? Like, do you want the throne? Like, where are we going with this abuse? Because you already showed that you didn't really give a fuck about her when she was going through that terrible ass labor. I don't know. That relationship is weird. Like, he loves her and supports her, but he still, like, acts an ass, which is weird. So to me, I put in my notes like, well, maybe he's jealous because he doesn't know about the prophecy because the reason why Rhaenyra is like, it's it's more than just the war. Like, you know, it's more it's more than just being on the throne, like the prophecy, the prophecy, you know what I mean? Because she believes it and he is choking the shit out of her and basically saying that my brother believed in all that bullshit, too. And look where it got him. That's what he's saying. And Rhaenyra looks at him like, oh, you jealous because you don't really know what the fuck I'm talking about. You have no idea what the prophecy is. And Damon kind of walks away like, Ugh, don't want to deal with this. So then we turn our corner to Corliss and Rainey's. And I thought that this scene was really beautiful. So Corliss had been basically fighting a fever. He was fighting another war in the Stepstones with the Triarchy um, that he now beat. And now they kind of own that area now which is a, a big important area because that's where all it, most if not all of their larger ports are are in this area with the triarchy with driftmark and where the gullet is if you ever seen a map of westeros you know what i'm talking about so he has this conversation with his with his wife and she straight up tells him like you left me bro like you abandoned me when i needed you the most and he tries to make an excuse well i lost everything and she's like no 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 we lost everything we lost a son we lost a daughter so he finally sees the light as far as like coming around her side and basically he is 
agreeing with her like you know what baby you right I've I've been wanting and wanting for you the iron throne and and look where it's gotten me basically and he says that the you know house valerion is going to be the death of itself because they're so they want ambition and they want recognition so bad that that is going to be the death of him and and to be quite honest he's not lying um and so he at first wants to make a stand like well, we're not going to declare for anybody and because he does find out that his brother unfortunately died um in in that last episode so i'm sorry in episode eight um so yeah it was oh no no i'm sorry this was episode nine so um episode seven i think don't give me the line y'all um so yeah so he's like well we're not going to declare for anybody like we're just going to go home and and live on um driftmark and live on live in high tide which is their castle and rainy says like yeah well we need to support rhaenyra um and they do need to support her if not for them for the protection of their grandchildren um and I really appreciate that. And I think that Rhaenys is also seeing that how Rhaenyra is not going to be swayed to just go hellbent into war. And she says that. She says every every other person that's advising her wants her to go to war. Wants her to fly all of her dragons to King's Landing and burn everything to the ground. And she's the one that's, you know, Rhaenys is talking about Rhaenyra. You know, Rhaenyra is the one that is being calm and cautious and just not trying to burn everything up. You know what I mean? And she she echoes something that Daenerys says in Game of Thrones. She's like, I don't want to be the queen of ash and bone. Like, who who does that? You know what I mean? So after this conversation between Corlys and Rhaenys, he then decides to come into the meeting. Now, mind you, Damon's already gone because earlier in the episode when they was talking about planning and stuff, the three places that they need are Storm's End, Winterfell, and um, the Riverlands. So Damon goes, you know, y'all remember Tully? Y'all remember the red, red, the red Wedding? Yeah, you know where the Riverlands are. So that's where he's going. He's he's trying to go meet with them um, just because where their area, where river where river run is located and where the riverlands are it's very central it's a marshy area and it kind of it puts them in a good position where if they were to go ahead and meet at heron hall and have river one river run so they have dragonstone they have driftmark they can basically surround king's landing because the only other people that can really help them would be the people from the reach but they're so far that it just logistically it wouldn't really make sense so Corliss comes into this meeting and he does show his support uh, and says and kind of reveals to everyone that the Stepstones are now under his control. They're they're actively kind of taking over all of this trade and stuff in this area to kind of cut off King's Landing. And if the gullet can be secured, which is, again, it's like a large kind of large body of area that separates a lot of these little baby islands. Um you know they they're just be even more stronger even more powerful so this is the point where you see Corliss and Rainey's pledging their support finally Rainey's comes in and she's like you know I'll I'll fly over with Maylise myself to the gullet and she looks at Rhaenyra with like this really kind of proud look um which makes me happy because like I said for a long time she she blamed him for the death of her son and and she's really wanted to kind of be away from her and her machinations. But now she's seeing, 
okay, like you're you're somebody I can get behind. Like I can support you and what you're doing because what they doing over there in King's Landing is ass backwards. And so this is where Jace Jaceris volunteers himself and his brother to go meet with the other two houses. Jace is going to go to North uh, Winterfell and Luke, Luke was going to go to um, Storm's Inn. And at first you can see that Rhaenyra is just, she's a little hesitant, you know, but I mean, she's a mom. These are her boys, you know, she's having to kind of look at them for the first time. And this is what even, um, Emma Darcy says in her behind the scenes, she's like, this is the first time where she's kind of having to see them as men, not her boys and they're princes and they do have a responsibility and they do have to step up at some point. So I think that's ultimately, that's why she allows them to go, but you can definitely see like it's not a comfortable decision for her to let her first her two sons you know go out and and kind of be a part of the war effort um now there is a really cool scene really quickly and um we're gonna go ahead and get into the battle of storms and baby because whew, a lot happened so really quickly um you see damon trying to um get um what's the dragon's name vermouth verm is it vermouth that don't sound right it, it that don't sound right at all but i think it's vermouth ver damn it these names are so hard but anyway this is the dragon that old king jaharis um road way back in the day and this dragon has actually seen war this dragon was a part of one of the Dorn uh, one of the dornish civil wars back in the day so this is why damon is trying to kind of recruit this dragon and in earlier and there's was, there was an earlier scene during the green council where he's basically tallying up all the dragons that they have on the black side and the dragons they have on the green side so presently they have about 14 dragons on the black side because the only people that are riding dragons um, for the greens would be um, King Aegon II, so Allison's oldest son, um, Aemond, because he drives, he rides Vagar, and then Helena. I can't think of Helena's dragon's name. Now, they're, Helena's kids are still really young at this point, and I don't think they get dragons. Um, something happens to them that I don't want to spoil if you've read the books, you know, but they're going to, I bet you that's going to be episode one. How much you want to bet? The, episode one is going to reveal to you Rhaenyra's payback for her losing her son. Allison said an eye for an eye. Rhaenyra going to say a child for a child, bitch. Try me if you want to. So anyway, um, there's that really cool scene where you see Damon like singing in High Valerian. Matt Smith has a beautiful singing voice, by the way. But this is why that scene is so important because he is trying to recruit as many dragons as humanly possible because he knows that the war is going to be a dance of dragon. All right, y'all, let's talk about Storm's End. Okay, so um, for those that don't know, Storm's End, you should know Storm's End because you know who Robert Baratheon is, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. So Storm's End is the traditional house seat of House Baratheon. Um, and like I said, if you read the book, you know that spoiler because it's a spoiler episode you know that luke dies at this point i knew that he was gonna die at this point as soon as jahir as soon as jahir uh jahir said oh me and my brother can go i was like damn like you you don't even know that you set your brother up to die 
And even though I knew that he was going to die, I was on the edge of my seat or edge of my bed the whole time because I was thinking to myself, oh my God, like, when is he going to die? Like, is he even going to make it to Storm's Landing? You know, they could do pretty much anything. It's a TV show. They don't have to follow the book. My mind was everywhere. But I could I could tell you the thing that I felt the most was fear and anxiety. Um, so what happens is um, Luke arrives um, to Storm's End. And he arrives right... Bo- now, for those that also don't know, Storm's End is a really... I'm not gonna say it's a shitty place. It just rains all the time. Like how Winterfell Winterfell's always cold. It's always hot and dorn. Um, it's always raining in Storms End. Like it's raining all the time there. So you have to imagine that. So when he arrives, it's like right before the storm starts. He arrives on his dragon, um, RX. And when he arrives, you can Im- immediately I got a sense of dread just right off the bat when he arrives. And then you see Vagar in the back. And I was like, damn it. Y'all just, y'all are killing me. And the scope and the size of Vagar, that dragon is big as hell. Now, if y'all don't remember, Vagar at this point is the oldest living dragon. Because he, I'm sorry, is Vagar a girl or a boy? I think Vagar is a, is a, is a female dragon. Vagar was ridden by um, Visenya. Visenya was one of the two wives of Aegon the Conqueror. She was the mean wife. The other one was the pretty wife. I, I honestly, that's how you have to describe them. They're both uh, they, physically, they were both beautiful, but one was just mean, and the other one was just a softer, feminine, more more feminine woman. And so, when Luke arrives. You can really tell that he's just trying to be a good messenger. He promises mom, like, I'm not going out here as a warrior. I, I'm an, an envoy for you. I'm a messenger for you. And unfortunately, when he does arrive, you know, and he walks into to Lord Baratheon's castle. So this Baratheon that we're seeing is the son of the guy from episode like three or four. Remember when Rhaenyra was on that tour? You know, Viserys has set up like this six and a half month tour for her to basically go find a husband and she went with that. So she was at Storm's End meeting people, like hearing people's case or whatever. So the man that was sitting next to her, that man is this Lord Baratheon, the one that uh, Luke is trying to interact with. That's his father. So this is the son. And one thing about Baratheons, they're loud, they're ignorant, and boy, are they stupid as hell. So, you know... Lord Baratheon is giving Luke a hard time, you know what I mean? Like, oh, you come here empty-handed, you know? And so Luke tries to pass the message on, and, and I thought it was kind of odd. I was like, it was odd because when the, the knight brought the message to Lord Baratheon, he was still sitting there holding it, looking around, and then he called out for the maester, and I was like, oh, because you stupid as hell and you can't read, but okay, that's why you're so ignorant. Okay, so he gets the maester. And the maester comes out and reads the note. And basically, this Lord Baratheon is like, boy, your mama ain't finna remind me of jack shit. This is what he's saying. You know what I mean? He basically want to say, your house so messed up. You got a king, a queen. Y'all don't know what the hell y'all got going on over there. But one thing I know, your mom cannot just call me up. You know what I mean? Anytime she wants. So this is his way of respectfully declining because Amond has somehow promised himself to one of Lord Baratheon. I think he has four, four dollars, four or five daughters. So Amond basically pr- offers himself as a proposal match. And that is how you build alliances through marriage. And so um, 
Luke tries to respectfully leave or whatever the case may be. And Eamon is such a bastard. Like, he's such a bastard. He's still trying to take out Luke's eye from before. And you actually get to see his sapphire eye. So in the opening, if you paid attention to everybody's symbol um, on their little dial or whatever, Aegon's symbol is a sapphire because obviously his eye. And um, he calls Luke um, Lord Strong. You know what I mean? He's just so disrespectful. And he's such a pick me, to be honest. Like, God. So tensions are rising. And there's a, there's a moment where, like, Lord Baratheon finally steps up and is like, hey, 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 y'all, y'all ain't finna be fighting in my house, okay? Take that shit outside. Better yet, Luke, go on back on your little dragon. Get the hell off. Get the hell out of Storm's End is basically what Lord Baratheon is saying because he don't want to have. And if I was him, damn right. Like, listen. I don't want to be dealing with the mess of two sons, Amon and Luke, going at it, you know, from two rival factions of the same house. He probably he probably did not want to deal with that shit. But the thing that scared me right away is when Luke leaves, it is it's raining so hard. You can't see. And if you've ever had to drive in the rain like that, I don't like driving in the rain. It gives me very bad anxiety. Like I I will pull over. I can't deal with it because I've been in really bad car accidents. So for me, immediately, I was like, oh, my God, he's not going to be able to see. He's not going to be able to see. And you can you can tell kind of the disorientation because Arax, his dragon, is also kind of agitated. You know what I mean? But it's because he, as an animal, has no sense of direction. You know what I mean? Like he it's raining really hard. The wind is blowing. You know, like it's it's probably making him just as anxious. And that's why Luke um tries to comfort him and just says you know calm obey me listen to me and they do kind of success successfully take off but it is it's so it's raining cat literally it's raining cats and dogs like you cannot see through this these sheets of rain that are coming down and luke is starting to get the same feeling that all of us are getting at this point in the show is like yeah Eamon is following you baby like he's following you and there is an incredible scene where Arax is flying and just like the cloud the clouds and stuff are over and it's an under it's an undershot so the camera's at the bottom and at the top you see Arax flying and you see Luke and then all of a sudden you see this big ass 747 dragon just flying over him and I was like oh my god oh my god it's like it's like a Rottweiler and a newborn kitten that's that's the comparison I would have or a Doberman a a, a Doberman no because they're a little bit too sleek but y'all get the point anyway the scale of Vagar is so fucking massive compared to Arax and naturally you know Amond is like fucking with Luke and kind of throws him off like the very first thing that happens is Vagard like flies towards Arax in a way that like it looks like his Vagar's feet are gonna take them off because Vagar is so massive and what ends up happening oh god Luke is trying to evade you know what I mean he's trying to do the best that he can you can't see out here in the rain so Vagar starts chasing Arax and it gets to a point where um Arax like attacks Vagar but without Luke like initiating that attack 
they're like chasing each other like through the skies and Luke is trying to get away and he goes through like a little bit of a crevice um to kind of get out but then they still he's still trying to fly faster than Vagar and Vagar is really fucking big but out of nowhere Aemond actually loses sight of Arax for a moment and that's when um yeah Vagar loses sight of Arax and Arax like I said, shoots this fire in Vagar's face and eye. And you can hear Luke screaming like, no, Erex, no, obey me, obey me. And as soon as that happens, Vagar gets really pissed and she starts to like buckle and then she starts to fly after Erex. And then you can hear Eamon screaming like, no, 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 Vagar, no, Vagar. You know what I mean? And... It's really interesting because in the behind the scenes, it reminded me of a moment where earlier in the season, I think it was episode one, Viserys is, is telling um, Rhaenyra about this, the Song of Ice and Fire, about the prophecy. And he basically tells her, you know, like having control over these dragons, it's an illusion. We don't have control over these dragons. We never had control over them. It's all an illusion of power. And this just goes to show you that not only do they not have any control, they <sighs> dragons are unpredictable, fickle animals, clearly in this show. And unfortunately, Luke is killed. Eric's, like I said, shoots the fire first, um, but only out of defense. And then Vagar kind of started acting on her own. And there's a moment where Luke does finally escape and he gets above the clouds. And um, to be quite honest, it's probably the one of the more beautiful scenes I've seen on the show, just with the scale of the clouds and just the massiveness of it all. And then just like Game of Thrones, as soon as you think you get a moment of peace, everything just hits the fan. Um, Vagar flies in from the bottom left and y'all it I mean it scared the shit out of me I'm not gonna lie it scared I screamed a little bit like it it did scare me um because the chomp is so like on your face you know that there's no way that Luke survived this because there was there was two chomps and there was like three big chunky pieces of Arax that kind of fell from the sky now the whole time this is happening Eamon is screaming like no like no Vagar no this isn't what I want you to do. Um, and then there's a look on Eamon's face of, oh my God, like, what the fuck did I just do? Like, this just went too far. Like, I just, I just wanted to scare him a little bit. I wasn't trying to hurt him. Like, that's the look on his face. Um, <sighs> ooh, is that it? Oh, no, one more scene. So that happens and... Um, Damon is actually the one to bring the news to Rhaenyra and this is where you see the the turn in her if if there was any part of her that wanted to continue to be conservative it's definitely gone now um because she feels like they're taking everything from her Allison has now taken Allison took her father let's let's be real Allison took her father Allison replaced her position with her children um you know Alice they're the reason why Lord Strong unfortunately lost his position and end up being end up dying you know what I mean and then 
just with everything now like she feels like Allison is the reason why she lost her baby this most this most recent baby because of the stress of everything her her finding out her dad died and then just to top everything off my my beautiful sweet boy that I have been pouring into and building up with confidence has been murdered has been murdered and I'm not a mom I've never lost a child but I can only imagine the sheer anger that any woman could possibly feel not losing one child but losing two and the way that she lost her second child when he really didn't deserve he he didn't deserve to die Amond knew what he was doing like you why would you go after you like you're still bitter about your your eye and what really gets me is she really wanted him you could tell like I know they say you know parents don't have favorites but I think he was her favorite Luke was um you could tell she just really wanted to protect him she wanted him to be okay um and it's just really sad that he was killed so tragically um now one thing that and and that's basically it so it what it ends on is Rhaenyra turning she kind of so let me back up so Damon comes and he brings her the news she's in the middle of a council meeting he he kind of pulls her away their backs are to the camera he tells her and she kind of she grabs her stomach and she buckles a little bit um and you can tell she's like starting to cry and then she turns around and she looks at us in the camera like wait till season two bitch all hell's about to break loose and again another parallel because if y'all remember in episode one after she had been named heir um that's how she turns around and looks at us millie alcott's character turns around and looks at us like dead in the camera like like i don't know what's coming but i'm gonna be ready for it you know what i mean and now she's there and she's not ready for it but you know what she is ready for revenge revenge is a what is it how's that saying go revenge is a dish best served sweet i don't i don't fucking know but anyway that's the show y'all oh my god oh so one thing i wanted to mention um because the actor who plays amen and even the showrunners were like um we really wanted to demonstrate that yes these dragons are really powerful but they they can't be controlled not really not feasibly you know what i mean any control that you have they allow you to have it and it can be gone at any moment um what really got me was amon's the actor who plays amon says that um it you could tell like i he, he basically says like i wanted to play it like that wasn't my intention you know like I just wanted to scare him even the showrunners repeat that's where I got that from like the showrunner said that Amond had no intention whatsoever of actually killing Luke if anything it was to scare him to you know to intimidate him but to kill him at the end of the day Amond really didn't get any permission to do that and he I'm sure he knows that his mom is not does not want anything to happen to Rhaenyra and her kids. Not when she's trying to give them an opportunity to bend the knee to Aegon, her son Aegon. And he says that, you know, like he he doesn't mean to kill him. But I love that the show is just showing that, you know, we love the dragons in the show. That's what made us fall in love with the first 
series, you know, because we love Daenerys and we love the dragons. But now that we're getting history and context, it's interesting to see that, you know, they, like I said, they've never really had control of these dragons. Like in any control that they were ever given is because the dragon allows you to have a little bit of leeway. But at no point was Vagar listening to Aemon. Like it was very obvious that she was not listening. She didn't give a fuck about him. To be quite honest, he could have fell off her back and she still would have went after Arax. Still. But that's the show, y'all. Oh my God. Can you believe we got through a whole season? Like, I'm kind of sad. I'm sad because... I'm sad because now I have to wait a year and a half, maybe two years, especially when they... I feel like it's going to be two years because there's a lot of CG. There's a lot to do in this show and we're going to get more and more dragons and dragons are expensive y'all if you ever wonder well why don't they show it's because them dragons is expensive as hell to show on screen okay it's very expensive to render that cg and 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 make them look the way you want the dragon to look which is like a real dragon but yeah y'all whoo i didn't talk your head off but listen this if you are not watching House of the Dragon, you're missing out. Um, so at this point, y'all don't have no excuse because the whole season out. So anybody that was saying, well, I like to binge and I'm going to watch the whole season in one go. Well, now you can, honey. You can. Um, and I encourage you to kind of watch. the. I encourage you to watch the little pieces at the end because I think the showrunners and the directors and the executive producers do a really good job at like breaking down the episode and always remember y'all anything that's on screen is on screen for a reason like nothing is ever a waste of screen time or space when it comes to really good projects like this and i i really encourage y'all to kind of take a look at that extra element of of kind of getting an understanding of what makes the show such a great show um so yeah, 10, 10, 10s across the board. I mean, I I love this show. I love this show. I'm probably going to sit here after I finish this podcast and rewatch that episode. Um, what else? I, I honestly can't wait to like watch some of my favorite YouTubers like go through because I love the Easter eggs. Honestly, I'm that kind of person. The, the interesting facts, the random weird things that you would never think about a show. Those are the things that I love. Um, and this episode was incredible i'm telling you y'all missing out if you're not watching this show okay i know the names are funny i get it but i think a lot of people can see themselves in these characters or they can see themselves in the interactions and with the characters and their relationships with one with one another but yeah y'all oh this this has been such a ride i can't wait for season two um, I think I'm going to finish. I think I am going to just finish Fire and Blood because now that I've seen season one, honestly, me reading the book, it's not going to ruin it for me because they've done, they've taken such good care of the story that I don't have to worry about that. Um, but tell me what y'all think about this season finale. Oh my God. I really want y'all to like watch this show. Okay. Because I, quiet as it's kept, I started this podcast because I felt like I didn't have anybody to talk to about the show. So I was like, well, I'll just say my thoughts out loud. And that's how this podcast was born. So it's been great, y'all. Um, I can't wait for season two. Um, I don't know if this is my favorite episode. Um, 
but it's definitely up there i, I want to kind of rank them to see what would be my favorite but what did you guys think of the show please like this podcast share it subscribe send it to your friends and fam um send me questions um send me suggestions for what you want me to review and talk about <sighs> it's been fun it's your girl lee and i'm out